Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 142 of Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments. I am Aid Thompson. Pull up a chair, grab yourself a beer, refill that whiskey. Let's do this punk politics shit. Uh, I'm super psyched to be joined tonight by uh, by a chap that I, I first uh, happened across on uh, the social networking platform TikTok. Uh, you know, I get I get a lot of shit doing the content that I do. Uh, for never having any balance, for always being too biased. Uh, you know, people people often comment or DM and say like, yeah, I mean, look, I can see that you're having fun and I, I can see there's a market for what you're doing, Aid, and I'm, I'm kind of enjoying the podcast, but it wouldn't hurt you from time to time to get somebody from the other side of the fence, all right? It's always fucking lefties. It's always progressives. Couldn't you just get somebody from the other side of the fence, Aid? Please, it would just be refreshing. And tonight... I am really happy to tell you, go fuck yourselves. It's my show. If you want balance, buy some fucking scales. I'm joined by Young Pagoda this evening. Um, really psyched to uh, to have him on. Um, I've been drawn to his videos a couple of times by uh, by friends in similar circles. Um, it's your, your stuff is always like pretty humorous, kind of piss takey, but there's always a level of um, politics beneath it as well. Sometimes more overt than other times, but. Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying your stuff, man. So thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me, mate. Fuck me. I thought that intro was going right the other way then. I thought <laughs> this was a sting. Yeah. Well, this <laughs> is, it, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the comedy mechanics, you know, lead them up the garden path and then boom. I just get off on upsetting people, really. I think yes. that's sort of my thing. Um, but yeah, I just, just live in the five foot nine dream, really. Just yeah. aggra- aggravating people over 50 most of the time. How long have you been doing like, TikTok stuff? um probably about a year um mm. it just sort of did all right and uh, to be honest the majority of my sort of uh audience are americans i think they just see me as angry sweary british man like the gordon ramsay effect right and then that sort of gained me a bit of traction and then i started having a pop at the right the right wing <laughs> effectively i thought i'll use this uh effectively yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose like from like Americans' perspectives, I I always feel like when they look at Brits, uh, if you fit into, uh, like if you tick a few of the boxes for them, they fucking love you. So like if you are a you know well spoken, uh, Jacob Rees Mogg guy with a castle and a butler or something, they would love that. Uh, equally, if you're a sort of you know Cockney sounding dude like you are, like I I bet they fucking love that too. Yeah, no, they they really do sort of. I think that's how because it's either the Hugh Grant type or it's like um, Jason Statham. Really, there's no middle ground for them. So they they've sort of flocked to me because I don't pronounce the T in water. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Well, I'm glad that it's going well for you. Um, Thank you. The first actually first big video I saw of yours uh, was the one where you were talking about your cat. Yeah, it's always the cat one. Um, the thing about it, <laughs> I could have probably quite easily coasted on the cat stuff. My cat absolutely despises the fact I exist, will not allow me to pick her up. I could probably be a multimillionaire on a yacht if it weren't for her. So I had to sort of lean in with the heavy political satire. Yeah. Thanks, wherever, wherever you are. Yeah. Right. It's kind of nice. Like, there's there's a level of, um, 
sort of not botheredness to your cat and indeed the video around it like where it's just i think there's a line on it isn't there like where you're just like look she doesn't she doesn't even give a fuck but still like still get yeah she, get if i cat. fell down dead she'd start with the soft parts i've always said that about her she's just this glassy-eyed little goblin that i yeah. have a, a responsibility to feed and water now yeah is it I true this yeah. is like I know you're on to talk about politics and there's there's a limit to how much we can talk about cats feasting on humans. But, you know, sure. let's explore this for a second. Um, is it true that cats would eat your face if you died? I think they'd start with the eyes. Really? Probably. I was, I <laughs> I'm was just like, thinking if I was a cat, it's soft, isn't it? Wait, I was wait, hoping you were going to say like either, you know, a yes or a no. I didn't realize we were going to go like, you know, graphic. About no, it. yeah, I've done yeah. experiments. Uh, yeah, apparently I... I would guess the eyes. I think it's the same with dogs, to be honest. I don't think it's uh, mutually exclusive. So, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's like, yeah, if like if we're really thinking about this, if we're going levels deep, if you take any animal and mm. lock it in a house with its owner and the owner is no longer allow- alive to feed it, eventually the animal's going to get desperate enough to feast on the eyeballs yeah. of its owner. Okay. It's like Jack Nicholson from The Shining on the best of days, let alone like if I drop down brown bread it's yeah now she's having a good week yeah i think yeah um okay let's let's get on to some of the juicy stuff i'm i'm interested to hear your thoughts uh and opinions uh, I, I get the sense that we come from a similar place uh politically um and there's a lot going on at the moment uh out there and uh big story i suppose this week is i mean aside from the strikes which obviously we can talk about in a little bit but uh, I'm really interested in this sort of resurgence of support for Boris Johnson because I, like a lot of people, sort of assumed that after Partygate and after the Chris Pincher meltdown, uh, when he was ejected from power, I mean, I was I was happy that day. I was I, I thought that was the end of it. Like, let's draw a line under it. And you know, I'm not a massive Rishi Sunak fan. I'm never going to cheer on a Conservative administration. Uh, but it felt like we had turned a corner, like maybe this guy's a grown up and we could get back to something resembling measured conservatism and, you know, the natural party of government and fiscal responsibility and all that. Actually, I've missed out Liz Truss, who was in the middle there, sort of, you know, temping. The fleeting visit, yeah. 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 Um, but now there's sort of this talk of 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 him going for the leadership again like beginning a campaign in in a similar way to how he did with um like when Theresa may was prime minister sort of you know sh- like hollering heckling from the back um what's what's your thoughts on that is ever so impressive is is the sort of british public's it's it's like game of thrones syndrome when they announced that house of the dragon no one wanted to know and then it started airing and it got record fuck and it's like after what they did with the end of that series they're still going to ju- it's frightening and i realized that it was gonna happen because my mum votes conservative right i will never know why she is from hackney we have been poor our whole lives but my dad used to vote conservative because he hated tony blair so she just does what he did right and i remember ringing her and being like oh boris johnson potentially you know back as prime minister she was like oh yeah i've missed him and he got funny air and i'm like that's That's what we're fucking. I think it's it's you know frowned upon in society to like dig your own mum in the head, but it's just so frustrating. And I wouldn't be surprised if you know he ended up back in. It's gonna kill yeah. me. But it makes I, me want to dive off of a multi-story car park. But yeah, I remember I think thinking. I remember thinking a while back. I was like, literally, the worst thing that could happen for UK politics 
is that Boris Johnson becomes prime minister again. So obviously that is what is going to happen. Like I'm at the point, I'm at the end of my tether now where I'm like, yeah, I mean, I didn't want Brexit to happen and that fucking happened. I didn't want Donald Trump to become president and he fucking became president. And like, like we're, we're so far down the trajectory, like the dark timeline, the bad timeline that I just sort of accept it now, you know? It's just an episode of Brass Eye these days. It's um, it's just unfathomable in the sense that, like, I remember when Partygate happened, everyone was like, oh, this is it, it's finished. And then he left and it was like, oh, fucking brilliant. And I was just sitting there and there was just this part of my mind like, they'll forget. They will forget. And all this hatred will just be absorbed. And I don't, as it's, it's like American sort of personality politics with Trump and things like that, whereas Rishi is very to the bone dry. Yeah. And I think, that like the average conservative voter misses a bit of a, is he going to hide in a fridge? I don't know. <laughs> so who knows what they want, but I certainly don't. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think you're right. I think there's a real problem with short-term memory loss mm. or, or absence of long-term memory. Maybe that's it. But uh, like I was looking at tweets uh, this morning and there was, there was something by, Nadine Dorries, quite predictably, where she oh, was saying, yeah. like, ever since Johnson left, things have got worse and worse. And there's a, you know, it's not her. There's a load of backbenchers who would love to see him prime minister again. And, and I'm sure a lot of donors. And It's uh, so them. But it's the, yeah, it's it's the the complete whitewashing of history that gets me, like, where they think, they really think that, like, looking back on it now, that Johnson resigned and then the poll some poll lead collapsed and labor like zoomed in the lead. I'm like yeah. that, that no, like all of this started going bad before he stepped well, down, well. you know, like it, it was with um, Patterson and the second jobs thing. And that two weeks where the daily mail actually decided to hold the government to account shortly before they ejected their editor from daily mail HQ for holding the government to account. Um, <laughs> But it was it was that that kicked it all off. The the poll lead completely collapsed on them, and from there to Partygate to Chris Pincher, it never recovered, and it it never has done. But this idea that it's because they got rid of Boris Johnson that they're twenty five points behind is fucking fantasy. Purely, uh, you get rid of Ronald McDonald's, they don't stop making hamburgers. You know, it's uh, for me. It was always during COVID, which was uh, like for me personally, it was a really scary time. I like it was like. Well, for most people, but like particularly me, I remember those early days watching the numbers go up. And when it, what did, when did he, when, what did he leave it with? About one hundred eighty thousand dead. Yeah. And then it's like, if they can sort of forego that, they can forego fucking anything, mate. Yeah. Absolutely anything. Party gate irrelevant. It doesn't matter what he could literally like curb stomp a kid on TV. They would fucking vote him in again. It's yeah. It's frightening. Yeah, they would. They wouldn't just forgive him for curb stomping a kid on TV. They would find it funny, like how they he was doing it. it. Like, oh, isn't it? You know, he didn't have his shirt tucked in, and he had his hair was a bit fuzzy, and uh, you know, he kept stuttering. And he's charming. The cunt looks like he's hair, brushed his hair with a toffee hat. All I can't stand looking at the man. It's like he's yeah. like a he's, he's a spitting image puppet, just come to life and walking around and living, and it. Uh, no, it freaks me out more than anything. Yeah. What, what do you think it is about, like, what is appealing to him? Because I always imagine it's, well, I don't imagine I say it quite liberally on sequential episodes of this podcast that people are just fucking morons. Like, half the country are fucking idiots. 
But it, like, am I being too brutal on them or? or... No. <laughs> okay. I was going to uh, try and sort of psychoanalyze it a bit. Like, is it that people are sort of gaslit and, you know, spoon fed shit by the media who are in bed with the government? Or or is it that people are just too busy or? I think people mistake his fucking idiocy for like down to earth type behavior. Yeah. And like Adele is down to earth. You know, she isn't fucking calling people who wear burkas, you know, post boxes and things like that. She's not an abhorrent person, but they see something in him that I just don't. And it's, that's what's weird to me because every single prime minister before him has been this sort of black and white figurehead person that just says words, but he, he's made it about a personality politics thing like, like Trump. And that's why I think they're absolutely comparable because he could go up there and say the most abhorrent shit. And they're like, oh, fucking, oh, Boris, what are you like? It, yeah. It just blows my mind. Like, don't listen to the words. Do you know what's interesting, though, is like, and I know a lot of people draw parallels between Trump and Johnson. But I always think, like, like the, the I mean, they are very, very similar in their uh, right-wing populism. But the thing that gets me and the thing that upsets me that, that other people don't notice or don't, or maybe they pretend not to notice is the utter contempt that these two individuals treat their own voters who yeah. worship them. So uh, with Johnson, I, maybe I would be able to afford him a, a level of respect if he spent loads of time up in, say, the Red Wall and hung out with loads of like former Labour voters, ex-miners, um, and really, you know, if he was pictured getting to know these people and, you know, being a He's never going to be salt of the earth because of his background. But if he actually showed some interest or wanted to rub shoulders with regular working people, you could make a case then that like, OK, he's not a man of the people, but he's kind of, you know, he's obviously interested. And it's exactly the same with Trump. Like all these people in fucking checkered shirts, played shirts with, you know, double shotguns sitting on their porches, cowboy hats, cowboy, but like cheering him on he would never be seen dead with them. Like he would chuck them out of his fucking golf clubs, you know? Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. It's, for example, if I think Rishi Sunak recently went to a soup kitchen and asked a homeless man if he's in business, it's that kind of sort of dumbfound, like like they're so fucking thick and that's what bothers me and they're not (laughs) equipped for the fucking job. Um, What was it he fucking, like COVID first starts, He's like, I'm, I'm shaking hands with, with COVID patients. And he bang, he comes up with COVID and he nearly went belly up. Yeah. What can you do? Um, you know, <laughs> can't, can't have it all. And yeah. it's just, yeah, the inadequacy and the, he just clearly doesn't take it seriously. He wasn't shout out to COVID meetings. And it's like, I just like someone that actually sort of gives a fuck. Same as Rishi. The bloke's just, this is like a hobby to him. He doesn't need any money. He doesn't need any sort of... Um, doesn't need any achievements or anything. He's he's fucking won the game. I don't understand what he's doing in fucking politics. He hasn't got a clue. And it's the same with Johnson. I feel I, well for Johnson. It probably was a legacy thing, but that's a that's a big question, isn't it? Because it's and I always think there's something in like there's an overlap there with uh, ownership, proprietary of let's say the Sun, which loses money, uh, and yet Rupert Murdoch holds on to it every year it is supplemented by the profit that he makes from fox news in the states that's mm. how the sun is still operating he's categorically to blame for the state of the uk now i, I can't he's the worst out of all of them i think that yeah. shell that bloke 
Yes, I agree. But he won't be around for much longer, so that's good. He'll uh, find a way to live forever, won't he? They do that, the fucking cockroaches. Do you think he'll cryogenically freeze his brain? Yeah, I think it'll be like Futurama. He's a head in a jar, still just running all these conglomerates and fucking yeah. everyone's lives up. I would say like maybe he'll chill out because it's you know he's later in life and everything, but he's just got divorced from Jerry Hall, hasn't he? So he'll probably go on like an angry Lawrence Fox kind of Elon Musk tip now. But yeah, pull the, a full George Peterson. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. The 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 point I was going to get to was um, so the ownership of the Sun, like it's loss making, and yet it is he he still keeps hold of it, right? And you mm. can say he keeps hold of it because of pride or, you know, sentimentality. I don't think that's the case. I think he keeps hold of it because it is hugely influential and he wants his he he, he wants to control politics, basically, and geopolitics. Uh, and I think in a similar way, Sunak, as as you've just sort of alluded to, he doesn't need to be prime minister. He has literally hundreds of millions of pounds in the bank, which leaves this question. Like if Rupert Murdoch retains ownership of the sun for sort of power and influence, then what the fuck is Rishi Sunak doing in number 10? Like what what exactly like whose puppet is he? What is he trying to achieve? It's just a big question mark over all of that for me. Like an ego thing, I think um, that and obviously like his wife as well. Um, what, what, how much money she got? At least a couple of quid, something like that. And uh, I think just, it is, like, yeah. Like yeah, the, just stopping the tax on those kinds of things. I figure if you have that that sock puppet in there, you can you can alleviate, well, keep a lot of money where you want it. <laughs> I mean, for example, if Labour, I mean, one of Labour's main things is basically up the fucking tax on, you know, billionaires, companies, windfalls, those kinds of things. So I think I feel like that's why he's there. That and partly because he he can be purely because he can be. I wonder if, yeah, is it like sort of conditioning? Is it like he went to Eton? Uh, no, no, he didn't go to Eton. He went to Winchester, sorry. Um, but, it, you know, similar sort of vibe. These people are conditioned and raised and um, challenged with questions as though they were the prime minister. They're like 13-year-old boys and teachers are saying shit like, imagine you are the prime minister and you have to justify this scenario to this group of people. How would you word that? Like, And they're prepped. They're just groomed and radicalized and i guess you could make a case then that you know he's come up that route that trajectory and it just feels like it makes know, sense for him to be there i guess yeah but then in that same breath like eaton is the place to produce i think it's produced the majority of them isn't it uh including boris who is i feel like if i was a teacher at eaton which is you know an institution held in a high regard for whatever reason whether you agree or not that man's a fucking moron and seems to have learned nothing. Yeah. He I can't mean, conduct himself in a social situation, let alone in front of like on the world stage. It's, I just, I feel like he was just in detention constantly or something. I don't know. I, Waste yeah. time. I think he's coasted by on uh, classism and brainwashing. Uh, like across the UK where we are raised to believe, I mean, you know, we're talking about conditioning and, you know, people being raised a certain way, but I think for a lot of us, we're raised to think that somebody like Boris Johnson, who speaks a certain way, who wears probably quite an expensive suit, albeit badly, um, mm -hmm. uh, that he is therefore smart, right? Like it's this. Oh, that's, that's the assumption, isn't it? You, you get private education, you're expected to do great things. And on paper, he has done a great thing, I guess, for the school. But 
so badly, like so monumentally badly. Yeah. But it's also a sort of testament to uh, the, what's the word, fallibility or uh, the poor service that you can expect despite shelling out like 20 grand a year for private school fees and like pulling every string in the book to try and get your kid into Oxford or, or whatever that this is a guy who has not come out particularly well-educated uh, and pretty much, I hope I'm not libeling or slandering myself here, but I don't think he's had a job in his working life where he hasn't sort of, you know, cheated or um, severely or bent the rules. Or he hasn't cheated. Yeah, well, that that too. Yeah, I mean, it's like we, we've all sort of gone over the... Uh, the myriad of uh, misgivings that he's um, exhibited across his relationships and his working life. I don't suppose we will be adding much to the conversation by continuing that. Um, You you talked a minute ago about uh, one of Labour's policies. Um, If, you know, if they got into power, I think another one was to close the loopholes on non-DOM tax status. Um, Let's talk for a minute about what a Labour government might look like, because Every day, like, it, it kind of makes me smile. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's a dark world out there. This show mm. is called Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments. It's somewhat dystopian. It can be a bit of a downer, a bit of a bummer. But occasionally I look at the polls and Labour are well, you know, comfortably in the lead. Uh, and it gets me thinking, what, what might life be like under a Starmer-led government, whether it's Labour majority or a coalition? Um, and on a good day, I think... Wow, it's going to be this sort of, you know, liberal gallivant around, you know, proportional representation and we'll do this and then that'll get better and we'll rejoin the single market. And and then other days I'm like, none of that is going to happen, Aid. Um, they're just going politics. To, yeah, they're going to win a majority and then they're going to be like, yeah, now it's our turn. And they're just going to do whatever the fuck they like and renege on all the stuff, the idealistic stuff that maybe you and I would be fantasizing about. What What do you think it's going to be like if Star um, wins? I don't think it's going to be like Woodstock. You know, I don't think the whole world's going to change. We're all going to hold hands and sink and by all that kind of thing. Uh, I Starmer's a grey area for me. Um, so, I don't know. The manifesto I, I like, you know, I'd like to put more money back into policing, NHS, uh, schools, you know, teaching, that kind of thing. And I firmly believe those would be things that would happen. But I do think it's going to be very much – you won't notice overnight, I don't think. Mm. It's, it's Well, obviously, well, we had 13 years of Conservatives, 11, yeah. 12. Um, I think it's something that's going to take over a decade. Um, I'd love to see Brexit get, get reversed. That's never going to happen either. But I don't know. I just think it would be nice to have people – on the media outlets that sound concise, intelligent, and maybe a bit more, not sympathetic, that's the wrong word, maybe a bit more relatable. Like I always get videos of, oh, blimey, what's her name? I absolutely adore her. Uh, Zara Sultana. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think she's absolutely phenomenal. I honestly would lo- love to have her as PM tomorrow. I think if she was in charge, I'd be like, yep, it's all going to happen overnight. It's going to be rainbows and sunshine. It's going to be great. But I think to be realistic, yeah, it's just some a process is going to take a long time, assuming that Labour do get in. Yeah, I mean, it's that's the assumption, isn't it? it like, I, I was listening to somebody yesterday uh, on LBC or wherever, and um, and they were saying, like, at the moment, it seems 
like a comfortable lead. 25 points, pretty good. Odds on Labour government. But they they sort of tapped into something, I think, did I talk to Tan or some, I can't remember who the fuck the guest was now. It was two or three months ago. I was like, my great fear is that once the machinery of Tory donors, campaign spending, um, funneling money to... Um, you know, sort of sister companies, and like in in the same way that I think Vote Leave, like did there was some sort of relationship with Vote Leave, and then Darren Grimes's Believe that like they'll just funnel money out in weird and wonderful creative ways, and they'll just outspend Labour on the political campaigning. Plus, they'll have the strength of like the two best-selling tabloids in the country, the Mail and the Sun. And I just I I feel like I can't take anything for granted at this stage. Like once that machinery fucking kicks in, that poll lead, like Labour might still inch it, but I think the poll lead will come down substantially. I don't think they'll be walking away with some barnstorming majority. No, it'll be that or a coalition government, which you know is better than nothing. But mm. uh, but when is the next election? Twenty twenty five. I don't think it'd be that far away. I think it's. So it could be this year still, but I think it'll I've, be next year. I don't. I have no concept of time anymore. Everything's so fucking awful. Um, but <laughs> that's the problem. They've they've got time to recuperate. And like, like going back to what we were saying earlier about Boris Johnson and the way that attitudes have very quickly shifted. It's like, hang on a fucking minute. Yeah. Like this has gone right the other way already. Like I wouldn't want to give them a week, let alone a year, to mm. recoup their losses on this. And what would you, what you said with the spending. I also think a factor, this is probably probably going to get me fucking like chastised for saying it, is like obviously where the old generation are slowly, well, not so fucking slowly with COVID dropping off. Yeah. That knocks out a large amount of their demographic. Uh, I, I don't know what it looked like in 20 years, say, when we're older and we're sort of considered the fucking woke lefty OAP types. And it, it just... Yeah, it's, it's a weird landscape, and I feel like I feel like it is going to shift in our favour, but I don't think it's going to be, as you said, this giant fucking bar graph. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be minuscule. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. That's that's an interesting thing to touch on. Actually, is the the changing demographics of Labour and Tory voters. So traditionally, when people get to about 37, 40 mm. years old, they start to vote conservative that's just a given like in us and uk politics and i i suspect australia as well sort of like anglicized democratic nations when when you get into middle age you're looking for security you don't want to rock the boat you don't want anything too radical of course you feel like you've paid in your fair share i guess um and then you start to you know to to row back on some of the more liberal idealistic stuff um that is not happening it's anymore. not going to happen, no. Because, uh, like I'm, believe it or not, 29. So by the time I'm like 40, I'm still going to have fuck all. I'm still going to be poor. I'm not going to stack that bread away like uh, my parents and my grandparents' generation. Where it's like, I think the only reason to really sal- saliently vote Tory is if you own a business or you've got money and land. Mm-hmm. And I understand those reasons. Fair enough. It suits your it suits your needs, but. I'm never going to have that, and the majority of this country isn't. So I think it's going to be considerably different in 20 yeah. years. I think 37 is going to—that's just going to be not a thing anymore. Yeah, I agree. I think that the, the days of people, say, buying a house when they were like what 25, 27—you know, get married, have a couple of kids, and then they get to like 45, and they've kind of you know almost it's, paid it's off that 20-year fu- mortgage. 
it's fucking mental, mate. Like my mum's next door neighbours, like uh, they're an old couple. They're nice. They've like they own two properties for 30, 40 years. He put cones out on the motorway and she had a part-time job as a receptionist and they own about four cars. And it's like, Oh, it's what yeah. the fuck. Like they bought their house for a punnet of raspberries. And it's like, I can't even get like looked at for a mortgage. It's, yeah. it's, it's a totally different thing. But when you have these conversations with them, it's like, Oh, but it was different back then. You know, I earned eight pound a week. It's like, but it's relative. It's totally relative. Yeah. And I'm so sick of having that fucking conversation. So I won't continue it, but oh, God, it, it's I've, like flint teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I've done, I've done ranty fucking TikToks about that sort of stuff where it's like, you know, you have this, they're not even boomers. Like my dad is a boomer. It's the yeah. it's it's the boomers plus the next generation after that, yeah. Um, uh, which I suppose I'm including myself in weirdly, but like I, I mean, sort of. So my dad is like I think he's 76, um, and and then it's people sort of about 60 upwards, I think now, where they're like, well, you know, yeah, it wasn't easy in our day, you know, but you, you're talking about you know five percent, six percent interest rates at the moment. Back in the day, you know, it wasn't uncommon to have 11 percent interest rates so just think about that aid i'm like yeah but fucking when it was 11 percent interest rates you were buying the house on your salary on yeah. on and it was like three times your salary it wasn't five like five bedroom house for like a, a three buttons or yeah. something like that yeah right now no. it's like 11 times the average uk salary to buy the average priced uk house it's fucking batshit and people All are like people like our generation like we can hope for is an inheritance which is a really horrible thing mm. and but even then it's it's not even it's not happening for fucking most of us trust and believe but like i think if I, I have a kid which i do intend to one day if if like you know the government will allow me um yeah just like what the fuck i ain't gonna leave them nothing no, it's, it's well. This is a sad thing. Is it's like so for most people now. I think the average age. I'm I'm reeling off stats here, but I promise any listeners. I mean, you should go and Google this stuff because this is just <laughs> this is based off like fuck all research. Me reading an article like two months ago and vaguely recalling it. Um, but I'm I'm sure I read that the average age for like first time buyers now is something like 38. Um, it's not like we're so far beyond this idea of you go to school, you go to college, you go to university, then you get a good job. Then you go to the bank and you explain to them how much your salary is. And a nice man in the bank says, yep, rubber stamp, boom, go and buy your first place. You meet your sweetheart, then you have a baby and then you you know scale up and like all of that shit is out the window. Like people are. And then, right, here's the weird thing is then people are like, how, like, why have we got such a labor shortage? Why, why have we got, um such an aging population you know who's going to look after the aging pop i'm like because nobody's fucking having any kids yeah, it's too expensive. That, yeah i think people are living too long as well controversial but i genuinely do think that um i it always bothers me when you know well, I'm, I'm walking around a supermarket and there's like a bloke this is 70 plus stacking the shelf is like that man should be fucking retired first of all but that's yeah. not going to happen either and one of my favorite do you use, i assume you use reddit one of my favorite yeah, subreddits yeah. is uh, anti-work and it seems to be mostly populated by the generation under me. And these kids don't give a fuck. And I love them so much. They're like, I don't like this job. I'm leaving. And they're like, Oh, but what about you in that? Fuck you. I'm leaving. Yeah. Good. I love that stuff. Yeah. No, I don't want to work. Don't like, you know, find something that suits you and make you fucking happy. I like that kind of thing. But that is another factor that will obviously lead into, will interrupt the process that you just described. Because yeah. I think people are just fucking sick to the back teeth of it. I think so. And I think it will, 
like you you can you can push your luck so far for so long mm-hmm. but eventually that pendulum will swing the other way and i think young people today or you know these kids today uh that i've that i've spoken to that i've interacted with they tend to be a lot more entrepreneurial a lot more sort of um uh like um what's the word sort of locked into their to their own goals and things that they want to achieve than i think any other generation has ever been before so so now like so back in the day like when i was like 15 16 i was like i'm gonna be in a band and uh you know i hope that a record company will be interested i hope that 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 this middleman sort of function here will sign us and then we'll you know invest some money some of their money to then make nowadays it's like i'm gonna start a band but we're going to record all of our own stuff in my bedroom studio put it out ourselves on spotify yeah and they, like they do all the shit themselves they're so liberated by technology and possibility it's, it's funny because i feel like a sort of like uh I, like i've been sort of missed out a bit because i was born in 93 so the start of the internet stuff like that yeah so the world is my oyster in theory. So the, before me you had this generation of men and women that are very good with their hands like my dad was phenomenal. Like if the car broke, he'd fucking go and Google, Google the part, fix it himself. I'm useless. I can't do any of that. But then the generation underneath me, by the age of 12, they can code a program. And I'm just sort of in the middle like, oh, fuck. I've done it. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know anything. I'm useless. But the kids, they're, they're so put together online. I think it's a good thing and a bad thing that they're pursuing these interests that I think the internet is pre- precisely the reason why is the wealth of information they by the by the age of fourteen. They've got you know stock portfolios and fucking crypto. I don't have a clue, mate. I really don't understand what's happening. But good on them. I hope it works out. Don't don't fuck your life up on it. I yeah. suppose. I mean, it's like I will just say this. Like it doesn't take. Well, do I want to say this? I'll, I'm just going to say it, and then I'll row back if I feel mm-hmm. like I regret it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> standard. Um, yeah. I feel like it's not that hard to learn to code now with the resources that there are i feel oh, like absolutely. there's youtube tutorials man yeah look, i mean i'm self-taught like i just uh i mean it like having a kid helped a lot because it just like lit this fire of uh like immediacy like under my arse i was like fuck like i i really have to get my shit together like partly you know for the future of my kid but and now kids um but mostly because when like when you have a kid your girlfriend or wife's income is very likely to fucking just disappear mm-hmm. and if you harbor any aspiration to return to the level of financial freedom <laughs> you had before the kid came along then you have to work your fucking ass off and like double your salary basically so i was like right i can i can do this i could just if i just get up at 4am and learn and build stuff and like write these tests and do that like so that helped a lot but i think you know with the right motivation i think anyone any age could start doing coding tutorials and probably get hired you just started doing it on youtube i'm learning python java and css just because like i was like well why the fuck aren't i because this stuff's all free and totally accessible now it's not like i have to go somewhere and do it i don't have to buy a book it's literally just some dude on youtube out of the goodness of his heart is like i'm going to show you how to code you fucking idiot yeah yeah wicked and it's they're good it's really impressive what you can learn from youtube it is. I mean, like, it's everyone thinks YouTube, well, not everyone, but a, a few people, a healthy chunk of people think that YouTube is just pretty American teenagers 
speaking in slang or whatever or, yeah. or trying to sell merchandise uh, youtube is fucking invaluable like you can learn like edit like i've i've done woodwork tutorials and built very questionable structures with like like little shit tree houses for birds and stuff in my garden but like um but you can learn like yeah i've i've done woodwork and coding and like loads of shit on there it's um languages anything it's, it's yeah. totally bizarre like when youtube first started i remember it was a, a a star rating system and the video limit was 10 minutes yeah and then like overnight now it's like this it's it's so fucking useful and yeah. i'm so glad that kids are actually well taking care of this i've got i haven't got any siblings or anything they my parents had me and were like oh we can't top that so we'll just leave it as it is <laughs> but i've got younger it, yeah. cousins who are like one of them is really put together exactly what we described the other one is like let me show you this Fortnite skin and i'm like oh never mind mate it'll get better you know yeah but it's just yeah just watching these kids that are like 15 years my junior be so much more clued up on something that when i was younger i was the impressive one right like, i was like oh i'll show you how to do this on the internet i'll book you a holiday and they're like oh isn't he amazing and now i'm like base yeah. level at best no man like just honestly stick at it like if you do so i mm. i started off with like like proper base level uh borderline humiliating like sort of you know like seven-year-old Coding kid, for like, yeah like if yeah. you if you drag this bubble of code <laughs> into this bubble of code it'll do this like it was really you know it's what you I need say. though for anything is fantastic yeah but it's like you get there and you slowly get that sort of endorphin rush of like fixing problems and seeing things come to life and uh and it can like you know i don't want to get too life coachy about it but it can i i went from um like sort of dead end recruitment jobs and uh, like a project admin position to like tripling my salary so it's like you know without trying to sound like a massive twat oh, about funny. it it's like it's it, it can change your life it can put you on the property ladder it can send you on the holidays that you wanted and it's not like it doesn't fall into that weird ponzi like come and trade crypto and you could make serious money like it's just you know teach yeah, yourself a skill and get... <laughs> <laughs> but then the other thing is like like just going back to what you were saying about like you know learning things on on youtube and so on like it's i don't think people really have an understanding of how revolutionary it is in the sense that you know america is already in this like education fee hellhole the yeah. uk is kind of you know a apparently aspirationally following it down that hellhole um there's i mean i don't really see any particular benefit to paying like 30 grand i mean the, like tuition fees i think are about to double again so why really? the fuck would you pay 30 grand to go to university when you could just start learning coding and within like three not even three years like probably two years you could get a job as a junior developer like it's it's and fine. It work up yeah no i, I I went to university. Uh, I have a bachelor's. I've never done anything with it because I'm probably a moron and because there's no real market for my job. But I remember sitting there about a year into university and the lecturers didn't really give a shit. It was all PowerPoints. And I'm like, this cost me an arm and a leg. What the fuck am I doing here? But yeah. it got to that point where it's like, I've got to see it through to the end. And honestly, it's my biggest regret down at university. And I know it's like, Ugh, but yeah. I wish that I'd done something similar, learned. I don't know, a trade, fucking anything, and worked my way up. I genuinely think that's because university isn't for everyone. They tried to sell it in the last 10 years, like, oh, if you don't go to uni, you're fucked. 
it's over. Yeah. You're a moron. And it's like, that's why I went and I sort of got frightened into it. And uh, yeah, regret it truly. But I've ended up, because of the university, I live where I live and my life's here now. So I'm grateful for that. But other than that, fuck that. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think there's, I don't want to be too, you know, disparaging about the whole university experience because clearly for a lot of kids, the idea of leaving home for the first time, getting Cults, that yeah. independence, partying, freshest balls, getting fucked in the back of the fucking dissa- I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know how to finish that sentence and still come off. Getting as- fucked in the back of a bumper car, <laughs> can I say? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yes, all I'm saying is there's a certain lifestyle that comes with the university and it can be quite enjoyable for for some people. Um, so, but but then I, I always say like, I would just, if I had my way and I don't want to be too controlling of, you know, my children's futures or whatever, but I will uh, egg on my son to just learn to code and then contract and then move to wherever his friends are going to university and live in their house share. But yeah. whilst they're all, like plummeting into a lifetime of debt he's while well, their like, mental health is spiraling yeah <laughs> accumulating wealth yeah <laughs> um, no i agree with you i feel like if i ever had a kid I, I would never try and influence them but i would cross my fingers that they take that route genuinely yeah for yeah. the standard for the amount you pay for the standard of education i do think it is appalling personally and i went to university of kent which at the time was i think I really, it was like top 10 top five maybe and i was yeah. just sort of sitting there like this this is it like, fuck me. I thought it was thought it was be like, you know, Indiana Jones lecture hall type thing and it's like a fucking weird room. Well, with- the University of Kent was designed by an architect who designed prisons, right? Yeah, you can <laughs> tell as well. It's like fucking scum in there. It's all <laughs> Yeah. I like so my first girlfriend, uh uh, she went to University of Kent and uh and I drove up there to see her and yeah, it looks like somewhere that you send like it's, it's jailing kids like there's that's- a honduran prison my mate went there and his his accommodation it was like a corridor with eight rooms the rooms were decent but then in the middle of these eight rooms was a small room uh probably like 10 by 10 feet and it had a, a, a under the counter fridge between the eight of them and a fucking microwave and i'm like what yeah. the fuck is happening this is insane and we'll pay nine grand a fucking year yeah unbelievable still at least you didn't pay that nine grand a year when covid was on to just watch fucking like breaks my heart honestly truly it really does and well maybe that's something that i'd like to see with you know if labor were to get in i do think there would be more funneling into education rather than you know offshore tax havens so fingers crossed maybe the standard of living will increase so it's not you know like like a fucking episode of porridge that they're living in or something yeah yeah, I mean, that's so let, let's talk a little bit about the future. So let's assume that Labour get in. That seems, you know, the bookie's favourite in terms of uh, like likely outcomes. If the Mid- events. Labrick, stick a bet on. Yeah. You, well, you should that. do. You probably win. I mean, yeah. Um, but if the events of today and, and indeed the polls of today uh, take us through into tomorrow and next month and six months or wh- whenever they call. Or, or are forced to call the next general election. Uh, if Labour win, at some point, the UK is going to be forced to reconcile uh, or come to terms with the last decade of neglect, corruption, lies, a tanking of confidence and trust in our politicians, uh, depletion on the world stage. The list is endless of, of what's gone wrong. <laughs> in the last 
10 years. Yeah. We talked a little bit earlier about, you know, gaslighting and people being morons and cheering on Boris to come back again. How long do you think it's going to take until Britain is ready to accept the repercussions and the reality of the last decade? I honestly think it's happening now. I think this is the very start. Ever since, you know, the energy prices went up and people have fucking freezing and can't afford and mortgages are going up etc is um so for example when i'm in the pub and there's these old boys over 50 who are usually die conservatives you will hear this phrase more of the last time i vote tory again and it's like i'm hearing that more and more which i think is fucking brilliant love that by my mind we've finally seen sense uh but i do think it's begun i think people have completely lost faith in brexit finally i've got relatives that are expats that voted brexit and are sitting in their fucking villas going oh we shouldn't have done that it's like yeah yeah no shit you shouldn't have done that i do genuinely believe it's begun and i think it's going to snowball but i I, that's what worries me about johnson coming back it's just like a fucking cultural reset then it's like oh he's back nothing happened cool so i i'd like to think it's begun now yeah like I guess it's it's difficult to to well it's difficult for me to get carried away too much with the optimism of that people are coming to terms with it or accepting. Yeah. I mean, I know that the polls for for Brexit have swung quite drastically towards Remain and and regret, if you like. Yeah. Um, uh, but I also think, like, I mean, my my faith in Britain and the average UK voter and the average, like sometimes, right. I've been tempted to just take my phone out, right. And film people that I think look like fucking idiots. Right. And <laughs> then, well, yeah, I agree though. And do a TikTok and just be like, the problem isn't like messaging. The problem isn't like getting the facts or the stats or graphs out there to show how much money they funneled out to all of their mates or, you know, why 200,000 people had to die in COVID or, you know, this shit or that scandal. The problem isn't any of that. The problem is people like this fucking idiot get get a say and his mates are all like, yeah, just vote vote brexit party or like you know you know then they all all of their family have always voted tory um that's a big thing like tradition um it's it's trying to win over people like that who were so rooted yeah in political identity uh i know i know the fear of feeling stupid maybe is is like oh if i say that I'll vote Labour this time. That means I'm stupid for you, voting. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there. Fear mm. of feeling stupid. You can never underestimate British stubbornness. Like people take the piss out of the Americans for this little pig-headedness. Mm. We are fucking match level with them. I always <laughs> respect people that, um, you know, like if I overhear somebody say like, oh, well, like, I'm definitely voting Labour this election. I'm like, good for you, mate. And then I, I rub their nose in it for the next half hour. Like you fucking idiot cunt. <laughs> and then we, then we celebrate them. And, but the, the, the fear of being wrong is so inherent. Like they will double down on anything like the 180,000 dead. As soon as you mention a stat or something Boris did, or it's something they've done in the last 13 years. It's always that fucking sentence. And it brings my piss to a ball. Yeah. If it was under Corbyn, it's like, Oh, you fucking, oh, I can't stand it. But it's that <laughs> same thing. It's these high, they create these hypothetical situations where, yeah, it would have been worse if it was them. Yeah. It, could, it, could, it would have been worse. It's like, you don't know that and you yeah. never will. 
yeah i mean that's that's a big thing also isn't it it's this sort of um uh i want to say false equivalence but it's not really it, like you know false like fan fiction it's mental yeah it's like so a, a great example of that was in the run-up to the 2019 election i think it was was it the one before that uh where the guy wrote the piece in the mail on sunday about what the first 40 days of a corbyn premiership would be like <laughs> and it was like fucking london burning down in the background and the pound has crashed and big ben erupts fighting in the streets yeah. yeah and the irony now of course is that you know since then we've had a boris johnson premiership we've had um uh, a liz trust premiership and you know she and Qualtang slipped on a banana peel and blew that hole in the economy and uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that they were fretting about, the conservatives have <laughs> literally done. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. things are as bad now as they were scaremongering that they might be under a Corbyn leadership. And look, I don't think Corbyn is without his faults. I don't think he's a, you know, I don't celebrate him as a sort of messiah uh, figure. Uh, I think he would have been better than a than a Tory government um, by by a long shot. Um, but then I also think like now when whenever I hear like emphatic frothing Corbyn fans and they are fans, um, I'm just like, I, I get it. I understand people were wrong. They should have voted Labour, but we we fucking have to move on, man. We really on. do. You're doing my fucking nothing. Yeah, uh, they're, they're just as bad. Absolutely. Sorry, I just took a massive swig of beer there. And, uh, left, I'm left jealous I'm doing dry January I want to throw myself out the fucking window I don't yeah. know why I'm doing it I did it last year it's the shittest month it's, it's, it's a terrible decision I mean <laughs> it's shocking isn't it I, I think I'm going to have fun tomorrow I'm going out why not yeah I mean you've done Skyping you at three in the morning <laughs> you've done alright it's 13 days in um, yeah that's enough isn't it I got fucking smashed on a podcast with um, John Left of the Countryside another TikToker uh and so we did the podcast then we stayed online for an hour or two afterwards just getting fucking hammered and uh and then but it was the day before new year's right and and so then i woke up on new year's eve oh hanging out my ass like hemorrhoids just a real state and so then i didn't get pissed on new year's eve and then new year's day i was like maybe this is a new me you know i feel fresh everyone else is hung over <laughs> Should I give up booze for January? To yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was like, but by the time I got to the next episode of the podcast, I was like, yeah, I'm going to need a fucking um, beer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Understandable. I mean, things are dire. You need, you need a drink to cope at this point. And then the pubs are fucking shutting down as well, practically. Yeah. That's, that's the stuff that scares me. I come from a pub background. I used to uh, manage pubs for various different breweries, and I've still got friends that are in the industry. And, uh, they told me uh, just before Christmas, like their their particular provider was Heineken. And to most people, they'd be like, oh, so the Heineken own most fucking beers and things like that. Yeah. Uh, they're going to average a price increase of about 50p on the pint. Right. And it's like... I'm surprised it's only that, to be honest. Yeah, me too. But that's the sort of thing, because obviously drinking at home has always been cheaper. The supermarkets don't pay the tax on the alcohol. And I worry about the loss of pubs, not because I'm a pisshead, because I am a pisshead, but just because they are community spaces. I think they're important. Yeah. I get my little bit in now. I do, yeah, James. Yeah. They are important to the British public. 
And if I feel like if we lose them, we've lost a significant amount of the battleground because that's where a lot of the debate happens. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So support your local pubs if you can afford it. I know it's like 500 quid a pint now, but fuck breweries. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I miss, I, I like part of fatherhood is sort of coming to terms or, or mourning, if you will, <laughs> the loss of sort of pub life and Oops. having that, yeah, like round table discussion with people. And How long have you got until your kids are 18? Oh, fucking hell. My son is six. So I'm 12 you know, years. I'm in for a stretch. Yeah. Say 2035. Yeah. Take him with you. Yeah. Um, I am looking forward to that. And like, it's like we, we go to the pub still. We like, we have a, a meal and I'll have a Guinness with it and stuff. But it's not the same as going there with your mates, talking shit. And uh, yeah. And then grabbing a kebab on the way home. But yeah. Uh, regretting every single minute of it. It's yeah. fantastic. It's yeah. the British way. It is. And you know what? It's it's really nice. Like this this is something that doesn't really get discussed much, or, or I don't think I've heard anyone observe this before, but it's a thing that stays with you through the rites of passage, right, in Britain. Because when you're a teenager, you go to the pub with a fake ID, you get a few beers and great. You know, some yeah. mischief, your friend gets too drunk, you puke at the taxi on the way home great then in your 20s it's a really social thing you know you go to the pub after you know it's thursday night social from your sales job or whatever and then friday night you're out with your mates saturday maybe date night or so and then when you're in your 30s it's like you know you go for a pub lunch with your fat like it's still the pub and then when you're in like your 40s and 50s it's like a chilled thing like it's a whole different thing you just park up at the bar you're all relaxed you know just no fucks given you don't care if the barmaid fancies you anymore. You don't, no, there's you know? no pressure at that point. There's no impressing anybody, no peacocking, nothing. Yeah, you just talk shit with the other regulars and stuff, you know? Yeah, we had this weird one in one of the old pubs I used to run. Is exactly what you've described. And then at the arse end of the spectrum, there was a man called Jeff. I'll never forget him. He came in. This, this sounds quite dark. He got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. It was very sad. But he loved the pub so much. It was so important to him that he wanted to have the wake there because that's where all his friends were. And I think that's a wonderful thing. That's why I think they're important. Six weeks later, Jeff comes in. And he's got the all clear. And he's fucking fuming that he spent all the money on the food. <laughs> I fucking love it. God bless. Yeah, yeah I, it does worry me. It really does losing those things. I know it does sound trivial, but they are really important things for a lot of people. Yeah. So... Yeah. I mean, it's sort of, you know, I don't want to get crass about it, but it's sort of replaced, or maybe I'm over-egging it, but it's kind of replaced the church in some respects. Right? Definitely in this country. Right. You've got your, your village where, like, you know, traditionally everyone lives in the village and then like, every Sunday they would go to the church and they all shake hands, kiss each other on the cheek or whatever, listen to a psalm or, you know, fucking parable, whatever. Um, and then they all leave, but everyone's met each other. Everyone knows everyone in the yeah. village. And, and for a long time, the pub was that. It's like religion sort of fell away a bit, but there was always the pub in in your town or in the your pub village. has always been there. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I I agree. I think losing that, seeing pubs shuttered, and turned into so like our one of our local pubs has uh, been refurbed. It's a co-op now, and I'm just like, there's something really fucking sad about that, man. Depressing, mate. Yeah, but it's not even that. If things get worse, we will lose the pubs. We will still have pubs. The only problem being is they will be fucking weatherspoons. Yeah. And be like they are voids 
they are void of atmosphere. They're just they're the McDonald's of pubs, and it's not what this <laughs> is Labour manifesto. We need to get rid of fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it, it frightens the fuck out of me, mate. Because especially particularly where I live, very historic town. One of the pubs was built in the 1300s, things like that. And it's like, so you shut that building down. What the fuck are you going to do with it? Yeah, it's 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 important. I think I really do. Yeah, it worries me. Yeah. Well, you're preaching to the choir here. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I if I didn't have kids, and believe me, sometimes on nights when I do have kids and they're just being very quiet, I'm very tempted to go out and support my local pub. But if you lock the door, yeah, you're fine. I it could leave fine. them. Is it illegal to leave them in the car locked while I go in the pub for a bit? Is that? It wouldn't be under a Labour government. I tell you. Yeah. We'll put that in the manifesto too. Yeah. Uh, Young Pagoda, thank you so much for joining me tonight. This has been thank really fun. Thank you for fun. having me, Ed. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Um, if you're not following him already, please do go and check him out. You can Google him, actually. I found out earlier. Young Pagoda, TikTok, and you'll be brought straight to his... Can you Google me? You can... Yeah. I Googled gross. you. Ugh. And your videos pop straight the fuck up. So oh, wonderful. Thank you. Um, are you on Twitter or anything? Should I promote you? I don't, I don't do Twitter. I don't understand it. I'm like full boomer about that. Yeah. And I've refused to support Elon Musk as well at this point. All I'd say is, if you're not on it, just stay, just save yourself the drama, chaos and hatred. And yeah. Sounds fantastic. Leave it out of your life. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it, so I guess let's let's go back to promoting you again. Uh, so yeah, if you're not following him already, then um, go and check out Young Pagoda's uh, videos on TikTok. Um, I will be back next wednesday uh with a solo show where i'll be ranting roasting and raving about whatever is in the news that week um next friday i have a guest pre-booked can't remember who the fuck it is because this show is ill-prepared <laughs> disorganized uh and uh, uh yeah but do you know what that's that is punk politics guys it's the, it's part of the charm um you wouldn't get this on news night or question time but what what you do get is a sort of yeah um disheveled you know punk politics show that's been dragged through the bush backwards all the while fueled with a, a couple of ipas um that's it from me uh, i'll catch up with you all next week thanks very much to the patreons uh ciao for now bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.